Welcome everybody to the BPM cast for the week of April 9th. Um, we have a full house today as opposed to last week when there was just a few of us. Um, but I have Rob Akinian. Hey. The ever faithful Rob Akinian. Um We also have our new news editor, right, Chase? Ah, uh, yes. That's true. Thank you. Um, and then, the sooner or later. Yeah, sooner or later, we're soon to become the world's best source for hip news. Um, exactly. We're just going to stop doing all everything else. <laughs> yeah, we're just going to post Space Ghost Perp and Aesop Rock tracks yep. all day long, so look for those. Yep. Um, news. Yes. Um, and also, also host slash co-host slash former co-host host, Will Ryan. <laughs> What's up, man? I'm not hosting today. How about that? Yep. Yep. You're hosting. Yeah, you guys got well, me in Welcome Sorry. to your life. Might as well turn it off now. Um, and then we have a special special fan guest. Um, what's your name again? I'm sorry. I'm awful with names. I forgot it already. It's Introduce Matt, yourself. you idiot. <laughs> it's Matt. Hey, I talked to him on Twitter and stuff. Like, I like this guy. I just, I'm awful with names. So, Matt, welcome to the show. What's your What's your handle on Twitter if people follow you or different yeah, things? The hand, like handle on Twitter is how near, how far. Is that a reference to anything? Uh, it's a reference to the uh, song by Annual Notice by the Trail of the Dead. Off source tags and codes. Well, there you go. So, All right. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, we're excited for this week. It'll be it'll be a good week. Um, it'll be a good show. So let's start with news. Rob and yes. Chase, you guys are on the news hunt every day, so tell me what's been going on last week. Uh, Lollapalooza announced their lineup. Anyone see this? I did. What did you think? Yeah. For, for those who haven't seen it, the big names are Chili Peppers, Black Keys, Black Sabbath, Jack White, At The Drive-In, The Shins, The Weeknd... So basically, a lot of the same as Coachella, but they've also got they've got it Chili Peppers. Like it's uh, it's Chili Peppers. I think they all just kind of overlap this year. I mean, not yeah. that that's uncommon, but this year in particular, almost it feels to me like it's just the same artists kind of recycled from festival to festival. Yeah, and um, and Sa- well, hold on, Sabbath was originally supposed to play Coachella, right, and then had to back out because of their bassist. Is something that right? Like that. I didn't hear about that. Yeah, we talked about that on here, did we not? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like we did. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, they've got Cigaros as well. That's a good one. That's a big one. I haven't seen that on any other American festival lineups. Whereas every single one of these other bands could be on any or it's on any lineup, pretty much. Um, interesting that they have also given the Black Keys the headliner nod. Does that mean they're you know headliners forever now? Until next year. I don't know. Yeah, I think they're hyped for a little bit. We'll see how it lasts. Well, when is well? Have have any of you guys been to Lollapalooza? Yeah, I covered it last year. I've been, I've been there. I, I used to live near nearish Chicago. Minnesota. It is August third to fifth, and a pass is two hundred thirty dollars, which is a lot cheaper than Coachella. Actually, it's like a hundred dollars cheaper. Yeah, I mean it was fun last year. It's not my favorite festival because having it in the park the way they do kind of limits what they can do with it as a venue but it was it wasn't bad it was fun how many is it big how many people go um i don't know precisely but i'd say yeah it's pretty big 
how was how, how was it in comparison to Bonnaroo? Um, it didn't feel as crowded because I think they did a better job of spreading. Things. I mean, not the better job. It's just obviously with Bonnaroo, you have Centeroo, which means everything's close together. So it's kind of like more specifically, can you know, trapped. I guess with a bunch of people, it feels smaller. But I don't know. It was definitely big. The craziest show I've ever been to was at it, which was a M and M. People straight up trampled uh, the chain link fences around the whole park because the audience was too big. That was crazy. Wow. I once saw Daft Punk there. Um, so yeah, yeah. Did you really? So yeah, fuck you guys. Yeah, was 2007. That in... oh, 2007. Really? We're touring here. Yeah, for the Alive tour. So yeah, Olapalooza. With it looks good, but you know. Are are the head and the heart playing? Yes, they are. All right, and it's an American music festival. People will go <laughs> and enjoy themselves. <laughs> Wait, what does that mean? The head and the heart. I don't know. Play everything. Go to a festival, and the head and the heart will play in a. Everybody, everybody will go there, and everybody will like dance, and everybody knows the words to every song somehow. I don't get it. I don't know why, but they play every festival, and people just go bananas for it. I know. Are they from Iceland? Like, no, they're from here, from Seattle. Wait, who am I thinking of? Of Monsters and Men. Yeah, that's who I'm mixing up with. They're playing as well. Um, Yeah, I know. I know. Phil saw the Head and Heart like seven times last year because they played every festival. Yeah, yeah Phil South and I saw them at Sasquatch last year. Yeah, Phil and I saw them at Treasure Island last year as well. Were they at South by Rest when in, you were there? Rest in peace, Phil. <laughs> were they at what? South by. Uh, I don't think they were there this year. They were there last year, and I Phil, Phil saw them there last year. Who who uh, would you most like to see at uh, Lollapalooza? Me, Cigarettes, because I've seen... All the other bands too many times. They don't really play over here that much, do they? No, not that much. And I'd like to see Jack White too, but hopefully I'll get another chance to see him. I think I'd like to see The Weeknd more than anyone. Not even because I'm obsessed with him or anything, but just because I want to see him play. He, yeah. he announced some tour dates this week, though. Yeah, that's another news story. The Weeknd is going on tour. So I guess he got his band together. Yeah, he was trying to hire from his fans, right? Well, he put out a thing saying, uh, if you want to be in my band... So I mean, message, but I mean, as ever, as Eric <laughs> astutely pointed out, he doesn't mean any old person come along. He means if you know how to play an instrument. It's not a contest. Well, of course. Yeah, I forget my snarky remark, but I remember it being funny at the time. I promise. <laughs> I thought it was funny. <laughs> I want to see The weekend in the sense, I don't necessarily want to see, I don't want to go see him. I just want to see what that is, you know? Like, what does yeah. that stage setup look like? What? What, how does he, I don't, like, I have no idea, like, what the logistical setup will be, and I'm interested to see that. I hope, I hope some, uh, YouTube video, when, when's his first show on his tour? This Sunday. Oh, yeah, Chell is the yes. first. I bet it'll look like, I bet it'll look like the XX if Jamie XX was the lead singer. <laughs> what? You mean, like, no drummer, just, like, a dude tapping on a MIDI pad? I don't know, man. It's yeah, I guess. Yeah. I just picture like a dude with like a bunch of shit around him and then like a couple other people. No, I think he'll <laughs> I, I think he'll be out front. Like I don't think he'll be Yeah, no, that's that's what I mean. If like the 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 guy with all the crazy NPCs and all that stuff was was up front. I bet he'll have right, a full band. What else is in the news? Doctor Dre and Kendrick Lamar have thirty plus songs together. What's the story behind this one, Chase? 
There isn't much of a story behind it, which is what's interesting. I mean, it's been known for a while that Dre was kind of backing him and helping him out. But and obviously that came to fruition when he signed Aftermath. But nobody had the, you know any idea they'd recorded that much material together. Um, my take on it is either they've been building up to this for longer than you know, you know people think, in terms of Kendrick being an implant thing by the industry, or it could just mean that Dre being the perfectionist he is, he records billions of songs. Like from what I understand, he has over 800 songs recorded for Detox. So it's quite possible he's just had him in the studio recording time and time again. It's also possible that he's just sending him beats, right? Yeah. I mean, that's also true. Is that Kendrick gets a lot of praise for saying that he has 30 songs with Dr. Dre, so he can pretty much say anything he wants to, twist things to make it seem bigger than it is. You know what I mean? Is Kendrick Lamar still cool? Like what? Of course Kendrick yeah. Lamar is still cool. Okay. I don't think he's Kendrick. peaked. He hasn't peaked yet. No, absolutely not. We'll see how his debut turns out. That'll... Yeah, Schoolboy Q kind of eclipsed him when it looked like he was going to be, or maybe not, I don't know. I don't know anything about hip-hop. <laughs> um, Schoolboy and Kendrick are both very hyped right now for different reasons, and it's going to be interesting to see where they go. I think this is kind of, some people don't agree with this, but I've always kind of seen them as sort of the NWA for the new generation. Not to say even that they have that many similarities musically, but just because it's a young group of kids coming out of California together, and... Everybody had preconceived notions out of who an NWA would be more famous, and that didn't really turn out to be right. So it'll be interesting to see where they go So as a collective. Who's Ice Cube? Who's Ice Cube? Uh, good question. Definitely not Kendrick. No, actually, Kendrick could be Ice Cube, I guess, considering he's the most political. Yeah, that's what I'd I say Schoolboy Q is Easy E. If you have to make Schoolboy Q someone to be Easy E, I don't know. I'm not saying they're the same individuals at all, but just like as a musical presentation. I think it's an interesting comparison, especially, you know, them coming out of Compton. Who's little B? <laughs> Hill B has nothing to do with any of it. Much. Just tell me about little B. Little B was in NWA. Didn't you know that? Oh, oh it, all, it all makes sense now. He worked for uh, Northwestern Airlines. Um, but That was a good joke. You should have laughed at that. That was good. That was good. I was waiting for somebody to make a uh, NWO joke um, for all those old school wrestling fans out there. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah, I guess uh, so long as we're on hip-hop, I can talk about Mob Deep because to me that's kind of the strangest and most interesting thing to happen this week. Interesting is a weird word for it because it's on the negative side for sure. Um I'll just kind of go through this, and you guys, I'd be curious to hear everybody's like opinions on what they think of it, because it's a very strange situation. And some of it will be speculation, so anybody who happens to listen to this thing, don't take any of this as per se fact. But basically what happened is Havoc of Mob Deep lashed out on Prodigy, allegedly, of course, on Twitter. Just ridiculous stuff, talking about, I won't even repeat it specifically, but you know, him being gay, had sex with guys in prison, pretty heavy claims to be throwing at your partner so obviously a lot of people reacted saying it was a hack it wasn't really him which seemed to make sense and then uh sway calloway you know who was a host on shady 45 and etc uh texted havoc and asked if it was real and he responded saying yes and then finally hours and hours later he came out and said that his phone had been stolen and that it was all fake and obviously <laughs> that's the thing you would want to believe but it was just a strange situation because at first he was saying that he left it at a gas station and then 
uh, a radio show had a recording that sounds exactly like him. And as far as I'm concerned, if someone has listened to him for a long time, it does sound like Havoc. I'm not going to say it is Havoc, but they played a, like a recording of him just dissing the crap out of Prodigy again. And so NORE, you know, has been related to a Mob Deep for a long time. Through Capone and Noriega, I mean Noriega, he came out and said that he also thought it was Havoc. And so just for all these people to think that it's actually what happened, it's just very strange. Because then he called, he's like, oh, no, it wasn't me. And then he changed his story from it being, uh, he lost it at a gas station to he lost it in Knicks game. And so it just seems that the story keeps changing. And, like, it's just bizarre. Like, as far as, basically, my guess is that the last thing he said about it before he changed his story was that Prodigy had said something about him in his book that made him mad. So my guess is he misunderstood something in his book. He was probably drunk or something and just reacted really outrageously. And then it got kind of settled because obviously if you're an act that's signed to a label and you have plans to release an album, like you're part of something economical. And so they basically, my guess is they had to crush the beef secretly. Now they want to act like it never happened, but it's just strange. Has anyone been following it? No, but that's crazy. Right? It's absolutely nuts. What's Mob Deep up to? I used to be a big fan when I was a young Well, Prodigy, yeah, Prodigy's been in prison for a while, and he got out, I don't know, probably at least half a year ago, and they hooked back up, and Alchemist has been working with them for a while, so they recorded an EP with Alchemist, Black Cocaine, which came out last year. It was fine. I had Nas on it, etc., and then they were touring for Rock the Bells. I actually saw them just back in late September, which is one of the reasons I was so shocked when all this started happening, because they seemed fine as a unit then. How long was he in prison for? Uh, I don't know exactly. A decent while. Long enough to take to dudes. Like years? (laughs) Yeah, supposedly. Uh, Yeah, years, I would say. He's been gone long enough for there to be a musical gap in his career, for sure. I'd say the last thing he did was probably 08 until now. 2006 was the last Mob Deep album. Right. Which is probably what, when they were signed with G-Unit then. (laughs) Which is funny in itself. I remember that. But, um... Yeah, it's just very strange. And then he was saying, there's this audio recording, like I said, and during that he's talking about how he had to slap him at his uh, SX, SWS, or however you say it. SWSX. That thing. <laughs> Did you see them at there, Rob? I didn't even know they were there, to be honest. Okay. Well, supposedly that... he had to slap him for being gay. <laughs> really? While there. Just supposedly. one slap. Yeah. Just one right. slap. And you'd, see, you'd think they'd been partners as a rap unit for, what, 20 years that he'd have noticed this before now. What do you, you think is going to happen, Chase? Um, nothing in a way. I think that they're going to try to brush under the rug as much as possible because they want to, whether it really happened or not, which part of me thinks it does, I mean did, part of me thinks it didn't. But if it did happen, then obviously they'll have to figure out things internally. But there's just too much riding on them to just completely tear it apart, I think. And the hip-hop world freaked out about it so much because, I mean, the average like music fan may not care about Mob Deep anymore, but hip-hop fans certainly do. So... I don't know. It'd be a shame if it fell apart, but it's a very strange situation. As much as I think they want to brush it under the rug, it was just such a abrasive moment that the media world kind of latched onto it. So I think they're going to have a hard time getting people to stop thinking about it. They're going to have to confront it in some sort of way. Because like, Prodigy still hasn't even said anything about the whole thing. That's strange. So, what else is going on? Justin Vernon's doing a hip-hop album? What's yeah, what's up with that? Of course. It's certainly cool. random. Don't you think he'll just as be a, as the host, as the host this week, can I veto this news? <laughs> Why? <laughs> can I just pretend it's not real? You can pretend, but we're still going to talk about it. But don't you think he'll just be yeah, doing, yeah. like, you know, 
vocals, like, it's not going to be rapping. <laughs> it's not going to be like, uh, like, like the Quakers album. He's not going to have that level of it. How is it a hip-hop album, then? Well, he has Astronautilus on it. That's, that's just going to be doing the rapping, I would imagine. Yeah. Well, I think I think that he had a quote saying that he wasn't just going to be doing the choruses and Astronautilus doing the rapping. I think he said that there uh, there were going to be crossovers between the two. So that's going to be very curious to hear. Yeah. Really? Uh, yeah. I see. I'd only I'd only heard uh, Astronautilus talk on the project. I haven't actually seen Justin Vernon say anything about it. Uh, it's also going to have S. Carey and Ryan Olsen on it. So. What does that mean for the sound? That definitely sways it more towards an indie sound yeah. from those guys, but I mean... I mean yeah, I'll definitely be... Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, S. Carey is a pretty... I mean, he's released, what, like four songs so far. So he's a, a bit of an unknown quantity. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's actually a pretty good like producer. Folk yeah. hop, probably. Will be. Folk hop. This is going to be... This, a... this, sound, I'm gonna call, uh, this sounds like a train wreck. Like, what? <laughs> I think everyone, I mean, at least in my head, everyone will be thinking about Vernon's appearances on Kanye's album. So I think they'll kind of have that to not go against, but it'll be pressure as to whether it, you know, just ends up sounding like that, but with Astronautals, you know what I mean? In terms of just Justin Vernon auto-tuned with some rap beats. I hope that's not all it is, because that'll be weird. I have to say, I don't know anything about Astronautals. Anyone want to fill me in about him? Where is he from? What's he like? Is he white? I think he's from... Isn't he from Australia? Is he white? Well, no, I'm just looking at the picture and he looks white if he's one of those guys. He is, in fact, white. <laughs> there you go. Uh, do you know anything about him, anyone? He's from Australia? I don't know. I, I actually, thought I read that somewhere, but I, I could be wrong. I think he's out of um, Minneapolis, actually. Uh, you know, that makes, that makes more sense. <laughs> <laughs> They're right next door to each other. <laughs> yeah, I, I know next to nothing about the guy, frankly. I know he's white, and I think he's from Minnesota. What else? Yeah, so that? basically, he's known for, for having an album coming out with Justice Vernon, let's be honest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did anyone else think that this might end up something like this new Sufjan Stevens collaboration? That's a good point. Uh, yeah, it probably will. I mean, there's a, a lot of auto-tune on that. That's true. I only listened to that once. It was okay. I uh, I actually thought I actually thought the rapping was the best thing about it. Uh, what's his face? Serengeti was pretty good, but the rest was pretty average. What did you guys think? I like yeah. that. I wasn't really to it. with it. I didn't pay it much mind though. You know, I didn't spend enough time with it to judge it one way or the other. I like my Sufjan singing about American Christmas. states and Christmas. <laughs> Matt, what did you think of it? You know, I listened to it one time also, and it just didn't leave much of an impression on me. I think, uh, you know, for all the publicity it got when it came out, it seemed to have been swept under the rug pretty quickly, and no one really had much of a a strong feeling on it. Yeah, especially since it was on, like, four tracks as well. It was easily forgettable. If it had been a a whole album, I'm sure it would have been a lot more talked about and listened to, but... Yeah, it, it wasn't an abject disaster, though, which is why we're not hearing about it more. If it was a total train wreck, you know, people would be referencing a lot. Yeah, that's true. Well, I think it's one of those things, too, where, like, people start to tire of an artist after a while, like, when they're constantly doing things. Oh, are you talking about Sufjan? It's funny how Sufjan, yeah. Sufjan, went yeah. away, Sufjan went away for a few years, and then when he came back with all the lights and people in the age of ads, everyone was like, 
all over him again. Really excited. Now there's like two. There have been like two news or like something. You know, like two news sort of like posts or whatever a month for like a year and a half now about him or like almost two years. Where, it's ridiculous. I, I I read that in a bunch of reviews too, where they were like, he's so ubiquitous, but I. I don't see that at all. Like, isn't this the first thing? He, isn't that EP the first thing he's done since Age of Odds? Yeah, but he's just like constantly touring. He's like releasing these documentary or like documentary thing, and then he's uh, he was doing some other collaboration too. I don't think this was the only one he had going on. Yeah, he had that that Rosie Thomas one as well. Yeah, it was just like yeah. constantly right. going. On. I mean, it's it's not bad. I like all the stuff he's done recently. It's just, there's a lot of stuff going on. I could never get sick of Safian. I mean, I didn't listen to any of those, so I don't know what that says, but I like, I like Age of Odds and uh, All the Lighted People, so. Yeah, those two, those two albums are incredible. Well, I guess All the Lighted People is an EP, but it's, it's like an hour really, long. So. Yeah. 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 That EP you is really Illinois. Yeah, I like Illinois. I like Illinois. Like what? Everyone likes Illinois. There's literally no one who doesn't like Illinois. But what's interesting? Okay, hold on. I didn't like his. I didn't like that stuff. But Age of really? Earth. Yeah, I don't know. I. I, mean, I, I love I, Michigan. I love Illinois more than I like Age of Oz. Honestly, I, can, I mean, I like I can, all of them, but. Yeah, I can tolerate Illinois, um, but like, what is it? Seven Swans. That's the name of one of them, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I knew it was something swans. And then, um, yeah, like Michigan, I I can't listen to them. I don't like them at all, right. but I love All Delighted Peoples, and I love Age of Odds, but I can't. I can barely listen I mean, to the noise. That's it. I don't know. He switched the sound up, so it makes perfect sense, you know? Like Yeah, I mean, that's definitely like the break in the... Kind of more electronic. Yeah, and there's, yeah, there's definitely like a divide in his career between those records, but for as many people that are just like, well, everybody loves Illinois, but I, I don't know. I couldn't pick it up. Yeah, but it was kind of my uh, quintessential freshman year college album i love that album yeah yeah chicago is a fucking fantastic song no yeah. matter which way you look at it that was, that was like one of the only one of the few old songs he still played on the age of odds tour which was great that's good john wayne gacy it's a great song yeah and anyway uh, his lyrics are still, so good <laughs> we're not here to talk about stuff yeah we can do that anytime <laughs> last last news story i thought we should mention since we uh, talked about the last time Chase was on the Ten Sizes fan is Pop Etc. announced their album. Right. Yeah, I, called, uh, I knew that was coming. Called Pop Etc. Did you guys see the the cover of this? It's yeah, yeah the cover made me hate, hate genre, isn't it? Huh? It's it just genre, isn't it? Yeah, it's just a black cover with white text: rock, hip hop, soul, funk, reggae, blues, techno, new age punk, disco, folk, country, jazz, house, psych, R and B, pop, etc. It made me surprisingly enough. It made me hate the name a little less. Like I still think yeah, it's stupid, too. but it made it 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 more it made it clear what they were trying to do with it. It like, The sarcasm it. of the name. Yeah. yeah. It made it less just. I mean, it looked stupid sitting on its own, but in that context, it almost seemed kind of clever, or at least more than it did before. But um, this also confirmed what I was unsure of, what I was kind of dreading last time we talked about them is that they're going to go electronic they are not going to continue with the uh, uh, you know big echo kind of sound which really sucks because big echo is amazing and uh i don't know did you guys did you guys listen to the mixtape yet yeah i was gonna say i have a download but i haven't even listened to it actually. no I, I haven't listened to it yet but uh two of the songs from the mixtape are going to be on the album i listened to those two and neither of them were, you know, that i've listened to the mixtape how was it, it? uh 
it, it definitely does not sound anything like Big Echo, and I, I haven't spent a lot of time with it. It's a, a huge change in sound, I would say, and it didn't really stick with me on the first listen at all. So uh, I know there are some people on, on Twitter that have been talking about it, saying it's fantastic, and I guess I'll revisit it, but I wasn't, I wasn't feeling it nearly as much as I did Big, uh, Big Echo when that came out. Okay, yeah. That's a shame. Bummer. I kind I of have a feeling like changing, really. I, I have a feeling like I'm gonna like this album, but it's gonna be a lot more disposable than uh, the lot than Big Echo, which to me, still, I listen to that album still a lot. Right. I would what say that's the a album great before. Way what disposable? What was the album before Big Echo? Talking through tin cans. Yeah, I like that one too. Yeah. Wait, it's a I, shame. I think. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, Matt, you were saying. We- yeah, I think that, I think it definitely has a more disposable sound. The mixtape, at least, I, obviously, I haven't heard the whole album, but uh, Big Echo kind of—I don't know—that that one has resonated with me for a couple years. Whereas this one, you know, I listened to it one time, and I haven't felt the need to to go back yet. So it uh, it definitely has a more disposable sound, and, and the name seems to dictate that. I mean, pop, etc. It seems to me to to dictate that they're going to have a more disposable sound. So yeah, exactly. It, That's exactly how I feel. Uh, but June twelfth comes out through Rough Trade. We'll find out then officially. What would you guys say about their uh, asp- about their aspirations? You know what I mean? Does um does the change in sound mean they're going for a more mainstream presence, or do you think they're? I don't know. It's strange. Well, like, why well, change your sound unless you have a new goal? What this what the singer said about uh, Chris Chu said about it is. Uh, this this is the quote. So there's this whole slew of stuff that went over my head when I was a kid. At the time, I liked it because it made me happy and it sounded cool. Now I think it's really amazing, well-crafted music. And then in the full interview, he dropped names like Boys to Men and stuff like that. So he's he's talking about like making music that he used to love as a kid. You know, like huh. mainstream pop music. That's like a trend where where uh, we kind of take these artists that we view during their time. As we viewed them as disposable, and now kind of empowering empowering them to the status of like classics, and I and I don't know how much of that is nostalgia, and how much is that is like actual. Yeah, but for for every boys to men that like holds up today, there's like a million other boy bands that got forgotten about, and it, <laughs> that's going to be true. Like of all this chill wave and electronica stuff, there's going to be in ten years we'll remember like five percent of them, like the really oh, good. Absolutely. Ones. Yeah, but will we say? You know, like, oh, that was that was disposable at the time, but man, that's fucking amazing now. Yeah, that's true. Ninety-eight I mean, degrees. I don't think we will. <laughs> it's possible. I mean, this only time will tell. You know, who's the ninety-eight degrees of chill wave? I think that's what we need to figure think, out, guys. I think. Oh my god. I think people underestimate the power of nostalgia. Like, yeah, but I, I don't know. Yeah, it depends. I mean, what makes nostalgia? It's not just a good album. It's other stuff like hearing it on the radio and. Right, it's you know, all circumstances. Assigning it to a good memory or a good performance that was or something. So, sure. Yeah. I don't think like any, I, I don't think anybody underrates nostalgia anymore because Tumblr is a thing. I have a nostalgia, for example, for uh, Kelly Clarkson's first album because my mom used to play it all the time, but that has not led me to like it. So <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I I like sincerely hate the music that. Um, I kind of grew up with the late '90s type stuff. I think that stuff will always be awful, and no, you know, layering of nostalgia could ever help its standing, in my opinion. Like I hate that stuff with a passion. So I don't know. It annoys me when uh, 
you know, you let nostalgia, I guess, distort your, 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 um, more objective view of music. I don't know, though. It's not like anyone in our critical circle is now prop, propping up Boys to Man as, like, better than <laughs> The Flaming Lips or something. I don't know. I am. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, uh, I think nostalgia is kind of inevitable in a way, but at oh, the totally. same time, um, how do I put this? I don't know. At the same time, I actually think it works the opposite way as well because certain artists that were legitimately very valuable and and musically interesting at the time can never quite have the impact on anyone but people who are into it. Does that make sense? May, yeah. It's like it's like the greatest example I like to use is Marshall Mathers LP. Eminem was you know so huge when we were kids that I don't think anyone will ever quite get why he was that big of a deal except people who lived through it. Because now he's just kind of become a pop staple, you know. He has a role to play and he plays it. But back when that was urgent and relevant to things going on, you know what I mean? I think that can be said for any artist that had a page of dominance, or, excuse me, period of dominance. Like Michael Jackson, we all talk about Michael Jackson, but none of us quite get it. But that's yeah. the thing. It like after Michael Jackson died, people viewed, you know, there wasn't so much of a stigma toward what he had done in the in the last, you know, 20 years. And, you know, Thriller was kind of what defined him again. So I feel like what I was going to say about Eminem, who I've never really gotten into Eminem, but I'm sure, I don't want to say when he dies or whatever, but when there's, you know, when he's receded from popular music, I bet people will look back on him more favorably as if, you know, the only thing he ever did was um, Marshall Mathers. Because, like, think about it. Like, think about, like, a band like Can, who, like... Everybody I was just about to say that. Yeah. Like, after their <laughs> their you. kind of five classic albums, they went on to just make the, the most awful music and, you know, just and I haven't even heard most of that. Like and I don't even, you know, it's like it's so far removed from my perspective that that, you know, that might as well not even exist for me. It's just all those five albums are the only albums that really exist in my in my purview because of what I've been you know, told by people who did either grow up in that era or, or discovered it on their own. So I don't know. I think that's that's an interesting sort of dynamic at play with how you rediscover music and how it sits with you um, as it you know fades and and becomes popular again. I think that uh, we're kind of going off tangent here, but I love it. Um, I think that beyond that, also when you get into music and it's like at its most relevant point in your life or in music, you know. The history of music in general, if that makes sense. Um, once you get past that, I don't think it can ever be quite as valuable either, personally. Meaning, like, when you're at the fullest you're ever into an album, I don't think you can ever truly reconnect with, like, the fullness of that moment. Like, you can look back on a record and be like, this is a record that I love, but, like, does anybody love any airplane over the sea as much as when they heard it that first month they had it? You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that I think that's a great point. And for me, like... Planted and Enchanted by Pavement was that record. I loved it. I listened to it every day for a year. Now I put it on and it's enjoyable, but I don't really have the same connection because so much has happened, uh, you know, since that time. Absolutely, and I think that's just kind of the value of records and the way that it works. Like we can look back and appreciate something, but it's always kind of going to be inevitably what's next. Like for me, Modest Mouse, Moon and Antarctica, and Most Crowded West were something that I listened to. 24-7 back in high school and now I don't really listen to those albums anymore and like I still love them but I don't listen to them I don't know yeah I don't know I go through waves like 
Um, I'll return to just like Led Zeppelin, for example. Like you know, the days when I discovered Led Zeppelin are long behind me. But sometimes I'll just you know there'll be weeks where I'll where I'll spend with you know Zeppelin records, and it's you know I agree with Chase's sentiment. You're never gonna connect with it that same way, but you kind of you've kind of matured in your own listening habits and your own uh, in your own life. So you you kind of bring a new perspective on it, and that's that's cool too. I think. Absolutely, I think when you leave a record alone for a long time and come back to it, it kind of allows you a new view on it, which can be really cool if you allow yourself to like completely rediscover it. Yeah. But yeah, there's no there's yeah. no, like for me that. Uh, uh, the second Sigur Rós album. That that's one of the most like memorable first listens I've ever had, and uh, it's like, and it was such an emotional kind of powerhouse for me that, you know, I'm never. It's that one time. Like I'm never ever gonna have that same sort of reaction to that to that first song on that album, as I mm-hmm. as I as I did then. So, it's I don't know that that it falls under this this interesting kind of realm of. Uh, you know, how you individually and personally relate to music. Definitely. I mean, we're a critical site that, you know, reviews music when you you yourself just said that it's ultimately personal. So it's something, it's interesting sort of paradox that we all have to certainly think about all the time doing what we do. So taking it back to pop, etc., maybe that's what he means, is like he connected with those records as a kid and now he's kind of trying to pay homage to them in his own way. I don't know, but I what I was thinking is like how much um, sort of you know zeitgeist can affect uh, your your listening and how much you know at a certain t- at a certain time the the negative or I wouldn't say negative but the sort of other side of how you you're listening to it at the moment that it's popular and in big and it's just come out the you know it helps that you know millions of other people are listening to it and you're kind of part of this this whole that's that's taking part of it. And that's, I guess that's just human nature, just to want to be a part of something bigger than you are. And so I wonder how much that affects our personal listening habits or whatever, and how much we like and dislike things. Uh, music, man. Yeah. You need a whole essay to, you know, fully flush out this question. Yeah. Yeah. But it's an interesting Fair enough. All right. All right. Are we... Have we fulfilled our news quota for the week? Yes. All right. So let's talk about what we've been listening to. Um, Will, you can start. What have you been listening to this week? Uh, I've been listening to the new – I've been listening to a lot, but um, I guess what I want to talk about is the new Screaming Females album, Ugly, um, which is their fifth album, I think. And – Prior to um, what was their last album, Castle Talk, I wasn't, I haven't really explored much prior to uh, their 2010 album, and which I liked a lot. I like I like Castle Talk a lot, um, but going into Ugly, well, I was kind of. What kind of band are the Screaming Females? Because I know they've been a thing for a long time. Oh, they're like. But a, I've never, I've never bothered to listen to them. So they're like a punk band. Okay. Like a. Kind of, I guess you could draw some comparisons to early '90s type of rock, but yeah. they're definitely punk. And um, in their trio, um, their guitarist and singer is pretty fantastic on both fronts. Her voice is sort of like um, what's her name uh, from Slater Kinney. 
Carrie uh, Brown. Karen Tucker. Oh, Karen Tucker. Yeah, she's sort of, her voice is sort of like that. It has this, like, really huge natural uh, vibrato to it, which I really like. But she, she has more of, like, a punk edge to it. And she's also okay. a fu- fucking great guitarist. And okay. I, I guess what I say about Ugly is it's definitely a step up. I would I would say from Castle Talk the, and not not a huge step up definitely incremental but um, just some great tracks on great just rock tracks um, nothing too revolutionary but there's a seven minute track on there called Doom eighty four, just has one of the most killer riffs I've heard in a really long time, um, killer riffs man, put that yeah. on the on the CD killer riffs, um, <laughs> that's your pro quote killer riffs and. Beats per minute. <laughs> now we got some good pro quotes in our actual review. By yeah, Sanders. that was a good review. Was that John Blistein? His, his last review for us, unfortunately. Oh, really? What? What happened to John? He's got too much school. Quit school, yeah. man. Quit school and write for us full time. We won't pay you, but <laughs> you'll enjoy it. <laughs> um, so, has anybody else listened to it? I listened to it once or twice, and I agree. Killer riffs. It rips. It just absolutely rips. Uh, I really like the catchier songs the most, like uh, Expire and the first track. What's the first track called? It All Means Nothing or something? Yeah, it's a great, that's a great track. Uh, I haven't listened to them before, and I've heard a couple of people who listen to this album, they said they're disappointed with it compared to the last album, but really? I can't say. Yeah. That's weird. It's very similar. I don't know. Maybe the uh, Steve Albini is on this one, and it has it definitely. I can see his fingerprints on it, a little less than uh, Cloud Nothings, but he's still on there. Yeah, um, it's a bit too long, I think, for a punk album to be fifty-four minutes long and fourteen tracks is a bit ridiculous. Like yeah. you'd want something in the thirty-five to forty-minute range max, I think. I probably agree, That's but kind of I still think every track is really like. No tracks kind of stick out as you know duds or anything, and uh, yeah. the closer it's nice has like strings on it, an acoustic guitar. It's really cool. Um, yeah, this is a great. These these Screaming Females is a really fucking good band. Like, I recommend them to anybody who kind of likes guitar rock. It's just fucking awesome music, and like and like Rob said, there's there's kind of catchier songs. It's not. There's definitely melody to it and, you know, pop. That, that yeah. guitar sound kind of reminds me of Arches of Life a little bit. Yeah. So if you like Arches of Life, give it a try. And if you like guitar solos, she solos yeah. quite a bit, which is really cool. Um, yeah. And I, let's see. I've also been, I also listened to the new Orbital album, Wonky. Um, How was that? I didn't know you were a fan of dubstep. <laughs> Oh, man, I should punch you. Um, <laughs> uh, it's good. Um, it's really, like, to me, you know, Orbital is kind of, you know, one of the big electronic veterans. And to me, it kind of sounds... Haven't they, split, have they, haven't they announced their retirement, like, a number of times? Probably. I I mean, I like the Brown album a lot, um, which is, I think, their second album. I mean, that's kind of like a Watershed album in techno. But, um, I haven't, you know, uh, uh, beyond that, I haven't really, you know, dug deep into Orbital. And this album, to me, sounds like kind of like a, better, a veteran band, kind of just, like, having a lot of fun. It really, it really sounds like them just kind of doing, doing what they will, 
and not really adhering to um, any specific kind of ram uh, confines or ramifications and kind of just playing it loose and, and uh, having a good time. And, and it's very kind of, I it's I don't want to say like broad electronic music, but it has a sort of a, I don't know, it's sort of like IDM at its uh, kind of broadest form, but it's also just really good at that. So I don't know, take that for what you will. Um, has anybody else listened to that yet? No. Actually, no. No. And <laughs> last thing I want to mention is uh, Voices from the Lake, which came out like a month or, uh, ago. But I wanted to mention it just because it is an incredible album of uh, techno kind of ambient stuff. And um, if, yeah, I think it's one of the, it's one of the it's, it'll be kind of one of the albums that appears on a lot of lists at the end of the year. It's just fucking phenomenal. Uh, ambient. But, but not like, not like indie lists, like Resident Advisor type lists. I would, I wouldn't be surprised if it, if it appeared on some indie lists. Like, that's what, that's what I mean. It, it, it's not quite a crossover. It's not a John Talbot or anything like that, but. Yeah. Um. I actually, I listen to it. I listen to it. It's good. I like it. Yeah, it's very, like, it's very intricate, but it's also just. It's like one. It's just one, you know, long kind of set, and it's very, I, like, yeah, yeah. It's just very good. I don't know. Um, Is it this week's best minimal electro album of the year? Minimal electro. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, a month ago's best minimal techno album of the year. Um, All right. No, but yeah, no. It's definitely in the minimal techno uh, realm. So it's a good one of those. A good one of those albums. Voices of the Voices of the Lake. Voices from the Lake. Voices from the lake. Yeah, I would. I would All recommend right. that. Too many voices bands and too many lake bands. That's a good point. That's true. We need. We need to stop this now. They're they're an so, Italian duo. And, so it's uh, intelligent dance music. Did you say what is intelligent dance music? No, no. I just always wondered if if IDM is intelligent dance music. Does that mean they're saying everything else is good dance music or well, good dance music? Oh man, we actually discussed this like last year. Um, oh. No, well, IDM is kind of a distinction. It was kind of a distinction for techno because, like, techno became very homogenized. Right. And so they're like, hey, man, we need a term that distinguishes, like, good techno, you know? So. No, I mean, I understand its use and I definitely approve. It's just a funny. Oh, name totally. Choice. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty dumb. <laughs> let's, let's yeah, not. Yeah, exactly. It'd be like if indie rock was, like, intelligent rock. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. All you other guys are dumb. <laughs> yeah. That's a fair point. Oh yeah, you guys, you guys hear the new Smart Chill Wave album? It's really good. Smart Chill Wave. <laughs> we should start calling yeah. things that. That's amazing. This is clever gangster rap. <laughs> it's rather. I have no idea. He's rather loquacious on this song. <laughs> the hip, the type of hip hop you play at, uh, you know, wine tastings and yeah. stuff like that. In other words, not two chains. <laughs> anyway, that's what I've been listening to. Some three three solid records. Yeah. Awesome. Chase. Yeah. Two two things. First off, what do you think of the new Kanye West song? We kinda talked about it last week, but I thought you might have something to say about it. Um Seraflu or Mercy? Mercy. Um Mercy, I like it's alright. Um 
I don't like that he's not producing his own stuff anymore. I mean, I'm not saying he won't, but just that he hasn't been. And I understand that it's a compilation, and maybe he doesn't want to, have to do everything. But it's like the lead single for your label's compilation, and you're considered like the greatest producer working. You know, produce a beat. If if Kanye so doesn't produce his own music, I'm not listening. I hate Kanye as an MC. As a producer, well, he though, hasn't been producing, so he didn't produce Thera Flu or Mercy. I didn't. Man, that's awful. Yeah, that sounds bad. He didn't produce. I don't know if you know this, but he didn't produce. He produced one track of Watch the Throne, essentially. And like, I mean, he helped produce other things, but yeah. essentially one song on that album. I did not like Watch the Throne. <laughs> oh, I don't either. It's. A, I think it's a mess, frankly. Yeah. But um, I just don't understand why. I mean, he has guys producing for him like Hit Boy, who just aren't good producers, and considering. He's brilliant as a producer. It doesn't make much sense to me. I don't know if he's worried that he can't match the hype he's had or what. But anyway, I'm getting off topic. The song itself I thought was okay, but it's just kind of just obvious, if that makes sense, in terms of having, you know, have two of his rappers on his label come on, and then he switches the beat up, and then he comes in, and then he brings in, like, the currently most hyped rapper who, for whatever reason, is 2 chains. And so it's just like, here's the layout of how we make a hip-hop single. It's just too obvious for Kanye, if that makes any sense. It isn't just pretentious. Call, call me crazy, but is this hype for Two Chain just totally made up, slash fabricated? Because I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> Truth is, I like Two Chains, but I can understand why people wouldn't, and I don't understand why he's considered like the rap guy right now. Because the reason I like Two Chains is he's from Atlanta. I'm from Atlanta, but no, beyond that, um, he makes shout out to the ATL. Indeed, he makes funny music. You know, like the people have a common misconception of rap in terms of trying to compare it to other forms of rap, which you just can't do because it's all it's really about is a, a beat that makes you want to break things and funny little lines. I think they're supposed to be just like, that's chuckle-worthy. So <laughs> for doing for doing what he does, I think 2 Change is actually pretty good, but it is strange to me that he's like the go-to guy for every single song that's coming out right now. It's weird. Yeah. Cause I, I like most of the people on... on good music or whatever, but 2 chains. I'm out. I'm out on 2 chains. <laughs> I met him, actually, which is funny enough. Uh, I was covering Smokers Festival, and he came in, and of course he was stoned as hell, and he had a huge blunt in his hand. It was pretty hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> what a rebel. Tell me more about the rappers that smoke the weed. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, let's see. What, so, in terms of, well, you had two questions, didn't you? That was one. Well, the other one is just what have you been listening to this week? Oh, of course. What have I been listening to? Nothing much new, really. I've been listening to Vietnamese funk, which I won't talk about it anymore for fear of seeming like a douchebag. Wait, 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 um, wait, wait, wait. Like, as a yeah. genre, or like, is that the band name? No, Vietnamese funk is a genre. Oh, sweet. What is that? What does that sound like? Sounds like steampunk. Um, it's pretty inspired by American music. You can definitely tell. Like the the way. I mean, I'm just getting into it. But the way that I would see is that it's pretty obviously like the American GIs came in during the war and kind of rubbed off on them musically. Um, yeah, you can definitely hear like a traditional British rock and roll sound in some of it. And then you hear that's in their rock music. I basically just got my hands on this compilation of like rock and soul from Saigon. So that's what I've been listening to. But uh, that's awesome. It, the, the, the soul is really interesting. I like it more than the rock. The rock just kind of sounds like they heard American rock and did their own thing with it. But the soul has kind of this energy to it of like, just, you know, a people that got ravaged by an imperial this is gonna sound pretentious, but people that got ravaged by an imperialist nation, so obviously there's gonna be some emotion to that music. I've been enjoying it, it's cool stuff. I can send it to you if you want to. Wait, yeah, what what led you, what led you to check it out? What led me to check it out? 
what leads me to start on anything I listen to. I think I'm just always curious this, about. This sounds like something New Marrow Group would put out. <laughs> I don't know how I found it, honestly. I think I, I mean, I'm really into funk in general and soul and all things like that. And so I think I was just kind of scouring it and stumbled onto it and thought that sounded neat. But yeah, so I've been listening to that just kind of for fun. I've been listening to. I'm a little bit late, but I tried listening to that. I don't want to pronounce anything on it because I'm worried I'll get it wrong. But well, it's the Imi Kozijushu, like however you say it, like Jim O'Rourke collaborating with Kiji Hano and however you say it. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, what did you think of that? It kind of terrified me. Yeah, me too. Kiji. I actually. It started accidentally playing at about three in the morning. Okay, okay. I told Rob I'd try to listen to this, so I'll listen to the whole thing. And I just, I was very sprite by the time I went to bed. Are you, have you, are you familiar with KG Hano? Not beyond being told that he's a scary dude. That's yeah, all his music is fucking terrifying. He did a, he actually did. Yeah. Any guys fans of Boris? Not really. No. I, Casually, casually, I guess. I don't know. Well, he collaborated with them before. They kind of were a thing. And it's one of the most, like, just insane, terrifying albums. It's like metal free jazz. It's really hard to describe, but it's it's fucking awesome. Anyway. Yeah, I'll check it out. But yeah, so that's what I've been listening to. The only thing I've been listening to this week that's actually released this week was uh, Game's new mixtape. Which, I don't know, have any of you heard it? No. No. Have not. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised. It's not. He basically there was a lot of hype about it because Game somehow, even though he's released a lot of average things for a while now, every single time he manages to get the hip hop world, including myself, excited for his releases. I don't really know how, but I don't know. It's just kind of it's a decent mixtape. It's got a lot of features on it, and it's pretty disposable, frankly. Like it's not bad. It's just not something we're gonna remember anytime you know, a few months from now, basically. But the one cool thing about it, though, actually, is that he has um, the Neptunes on there a lot. Cause the Neptunes were supposed to produce a bunch of stuff for his last album. For whatever reason, the tracks got removed, and they all showed up here. So that's the one cool thing about it, is Pharrell's a good producer. They get removed from his album. Hmm? Why did, why did they all get taken off Kane's album? That's a good question. Nobody really knows. He released the Red Album last year after, like, four years of delays and for whatever reason none of those tracks surfaced on there and now they're all here I have no idea he should have put them on they're better than a lot of what's on the album he's got uh, Snoop Dogg on two of the tracks it seems odd to not use them but he didn't weird yeah. uh, haven't you also been listening to that Nicki Minaj album oh god that's true <laughs> I was trying to forget I have been listening to that I can talk about that um, do it tell me about these Chase <laughs> has anybody else listened to the whole thing Right. Eric has. Did you God all, Eric? damn it. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I need I somebody to hear it so that they can agree with me on this. It's the strangest album. Everybody, of course, wants to, you know, Nicki Minaj, which is easy, and I want to do the same thing, but to come at it from a legitimate perspective, it's, you have to wonder, the thing that's really got me so interested in it, in a way, even though I think it's terrible, let's be clear, is that it's just so hard to imagine what her mind state was making it. Because when she first came out, she wanted to be like this new dominant female rapper that didn't have to, you know, be subjugated all the time to make it. So that was her image. And then she decided she wants to be this sort of Katy Perry figure and be a pop star. And I'm not even necessarily hating on that. She wants to be, you know, the female black pop star. And that's fine. But the album is just so split personality, if that's not a word, but whatever. 
Isn't that um, like? Isn't that like the concept? You have half though? of it that's half of it that's like rapping, and then half of it that's pop. And if it was the concept, she didn't pull it off well because it's divided literally in half. It goes from rap to just these really boring pop songs. And so it's like, what is the intention of this as a whole? It's just very strange. And how's, how's like, the rapping? Eh, not as good as she's been in the past. It's pretty disappointing. When she's a line, fuck you, porn star, it's just like, what? It doesn't make any sense. Um, but I don't know. It's pretty much just a album that I've been shaking my head at trying to figure out where the hell the Nicki Minaj on Monster went. I feel like... She's nowhere to be found. Is that, the rapping isn't really that strong. Is that, that, is that still the best thing she's ever done, that verse on Monster? Um... She has yeah. stuff on her mixtapes that I'm really fond of, so I don't know. I'll send you a couple tracks after this. You can judge for yourself. All right. But was that the only good thing she ever did, basically? No. She had some good stuff on her mixtapes prior to releasing her album. And then I thought she was okay on the song she did with Eminem, considering it's Eminem. She managed to more or less do okay on that song. But this album is just far and away the worst thing she's done. And it's just got me wondering what her goal is, because if she wants to be this pop star, then why is she having this, like, really offensive personality that brings, you know, like that whole disaster on music boards that was where she had the religious... Did you guys hear about that? I assume you did. At the Grammys? Yeah, where she had the whole, like, exorcism thing and everybody yeah. thought it was the worst video ever. So if she's just trying to be a gentle pop star, then why have this sort of, like, bizarre antics? And I understand maybe you could say that gets you pressed, but it hasn't really worked well for her. It's just strange. She has this album that half wants to be most accessible product ever and then half of it is just random tangents where like she decides to be a trap rapper for one song with two chains which Eric was talking about before and that doesn't have anything to do with the context of the album because Nicki's never been a gangster rapper so just to toss one gangster rap song on your album it's just like well what does this do it's hold, hold on explain something to me quick so this album is a like a re-release slash bonus version essentially of her original album right no which is another thing that I isn't that, a, about. isn't that a thing though? Isn't that a, didn't, wasn't there something going on like that? What you're getting confused about is the first. The, wait, wait. The first album was called Pink Friday. Now this one's called Pink Friday Roman Reloaded, which sounds like it's just like a deluxe version of the album, but it's a whole new album, right? Right. That's exactly right. And the strange thing about that, and the fact that you're confused, points it out all the better in the terms of why do that? Because the whole time the album always seemed like an afterthought. Because she announced it so quickly after the success of the last album, and it was like, I'm doing a Pink Friday Part 2, and it was just like, why? Why don't you just do something else? And then beyond that, what's strange about it is it doesn't really have any relation to the first album. You have Pink Friday, which is just her kind of finding her place in the industry, and then you have this album, which is kind of fully whacked out in terms of this split personality, Roman Zelansky, or whatever it is. And she had yeah. that with she had it on the track with Eminem on the last album, so fair enough, you had that on one track. But it was one track. It wasn't like, oh, well, this is a clear jumping off point for the rest of my career. It's just, I don't know, it's really baffling. That's why I'm so interested by it. I can't understand what on earth she's thinking. In terms of, because she doesn't have a clear persona. You know what I mean? You need to have that if you want to be a pop star. It seems like she's, like, desperately searching for that. Yeah, like, I, would, I would definitely agree with that. Like, I'm not a, a fan of her at all. Or, you know, I don't pay attention at all, but uh, mm -hmm. I... You know, I have a. I guess I have, I've seen what's going on from afar, and like from that perspective, it seems like she's very desperate to kind of define herself in a in a loud kind of way. I guess. Yeah, I mean, she clearly wants to be on the level with 
know, Lady Gaga, Katy Perry, the big pop stars. And they all have kind of their different perspectives on what they're doing. And, of course, we can argue about how they're not original because they're not either. But they do have a solid perspective on what it is they're bringing to the audience. Nikki seems to, to want to do what they're doing, but not to be sure how to do it. Right. Yeah, I'm surprised no one's kind of poetically... Uh, like most reviews I've read have been like, yeah, it's all right, decent album. But I'm surprised no one has kind of, in a very critical way, kind of deconstructed this, this kind of. Yeah, I think that's what needs to happen. That's what I hopefully will do with my review, which is yeah. why it's taking me so long. No idea what to say, but uh, it is just strange. I don't know. Uh, yeah, the, the album has received like a decent reception, which I think is wrong. Frankly, just to try to listen to the pop half of the album. It's literally just the same bland poppy repeated over and over with her singing about nothing. Like, you don't get anything out of it in terms of her. Like, I don't necessarily have a problem with pop tracks at all. Like, I enjoy a good pop album, but you just don't get anything from it. There's just nothing. It's just this song is about sex. Or this song is about feeling like I'm Marilyn Monroe. You just don't get anything <laughs> from them. Yeah, Tell me about your butt implants, Nikki. Tell me about them. Nothing, yeah, I don't know. I'm honestly not even sure what to say about it, because I'm not sure what she's thinking, like I already said, I guess. I feel like people want her to succeed, so maybe they're just waiting for that, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I wanted her to, frankly. Like, when I wrote, I did last year's review on her last album, and a lot of critics were harsh on that one, and I kind of just wrote about it saying, sure, it's not that great of an album, but, like, she's trying to... I genuinely thought she had the the possibility, the chance to be just this feminine icon and rap that because you know it's for so long females and rap have pretty much just been sex symbols which is what she is but for her it was more along the lines of not i'll have sex with you because you're a man and you're in power more along the lines of i'll have sex with you because i feel like it and i'm in power so for her to be that sort of figure had a sort of intrigue to it and i think everybody does want her to succeed because they want to see that happen but instead she's just decided to be this weird pop split personality figure people are confused as to what else is doing, myself included. Let's go on to the next person. What do they think? What do they listen to? Yeah. Eric. I don't know, Rob. Why don't you tell me? <laughs> is that is that your way of asking me? Yeah. Uh, I've been listening to the new Hip Hatchet record called Joy and Better Days. Uh, Hip Hatchet is a dude from just another in a long line of artist that uh, Zach from We Listen For You turned me on to uh, and as all of those artists are that he he recommends he's like a proper folk singer-songwriter kind of guy he uses all acoustic guitar and piano uh, this album is his second album uh, and it's great it's really good it, uh, it's a, it's like a proper folk album you know it's all about all the songs are about drinking and heartbreak and being on the road and they all have good stories and and you know they make you sympathize with the with the singer and uh although i mean it's it's far from groundbreaking obviously but i i think the point the point of a good folk album is to be like interesting musically as long as it's like pleasant musically uh i for, for me focus all about the lyrics and i think he's got some really good stories and tales on this album that I can't really go into detail here but uh, if that sounds like your kind of thing you should check it out. It's, I don't, don't think it's got like a wide release. I think you can just buy it directly from him. It's coming out on 
it's just something on Gravitation Records, which is, um, you know, not an unknown at, at label, but not like a huge label either. Uh, that came out yesterday. So, uh, I'm supposed to have drinks with him later this week. So nice. No. He, he seems like a cool dude. I talked to him on Twitter a lot, and he he sent me a really nice email uh about i just wrote a little blurb about his track from this album called jimmy reprise which you can check out on the site uh go listen to it uh i I just wrote a little blurb about it and he like emailed me saying like how much it meant to him and how he really liked it and stuff which is cool so he seems like an awesome dude and i want to meet him one day so let me know what what you think of him eric i will i will do that Rob, ironically, he actually sent me uh, an email, too, because I was talking to him on Twitter, and he sent me uh, an MP3 of Sing Me a Reprise, which is an absolutely amazing song, in my opinion. I've had it on repeat for about half the day today. Uh, I haven't heard the rest of the record, though. But I think you can only buy it on Bandcamp right now, can't you? Yeah, I think so. Something like that. But I'm sure yeah. it is going to come out physically eventually, I think. Yeah, he told me that eventually he was going to put it out on vinyl, but right now it just was kind of a limited release. Um, but if the rest of the album's as good as that song or even anywhere close, I think it's going to be a really good record. Yeah, I think Sing Me a Reprise is still my favorite song on it, but a lot of the other songs are as good or nearly as good as that, so uh, you should definitely check it out. Okay, cool. And uh, hopefully I'll get a review done. It's It's like... Writing a review of an album that's all about the lyrics is so much harder for me. Like, because I want to do justice of trying to, you know, uh, trying to talk about what he's talking about, but not interpret the lyrics incorrectly. Because, and I don't know, trying to figure out all the themes going on in, in the sound as well. Yeah, it's more it like an essay. Of, yeah, it takes a lot of intense listening, but they always those kind of reviews always feel like better to me when I'm done with them so hopefully I'll, I'll get that done this weekend but yeah listen to it Joy and Better Days by Hit Hatchet it might it might be on Spotify by now I don't know I know his first album's on Spotify so you should check that out uh, I don't think it's on Spotify yet he told me he was going to wait a while to put it up there but I didn't yeah. check um, since the release date um, but he said he told me that I think on Monday uh, well, his first album's on there, and that one's really good too. So, you know, listen to that in the meantime. Yeah. Anything else, Rob? I know you've been listening to more than that. Uh, most of the stuff I've been listening to is not out for like a month, like the new Jack White and the new Santa Gold. Uh But the other thing I've been listening to that's out this week was the uh, the new M. Ward record, A Wasteland Companion, which was okay. Uh, bit too much. What did you think? I didn't think it was all that. I mean, I didn't dislike it really, but it just didn't stick with me. Yeah, a bit too much Zoe Deschanel in it. Anytime she shows up, it just turns into a she and him track, and the she and him yeah. tracks, they're kind of okay, but I mean, they're not amazing. They're just kind of a bland indie hype band. I mean, she and him anyway. Yeah. Not that uh, I dislike them. They're just not anything special. Yeah, I like, I love the first single from uh, Wasteland Canadian, uh, the first time I ran away. I think that's amazing. I think this one or two other tracks that are as good as that as well, but overall it's a pretty you know, standard album. But I don't know what happened to M. Ward when he released Hold T- uh, not Hold Time, Post War, that was such a good album. Transfiguration of Vincent, also amazing. But ever since but then, uh, Hold Time was pretty average, Monsters of Folk was average, all the She and Him albums are average. I don't know, he needs to, st- he needs to stop getting distracted by anyone else. No Conor Obers, no, no Jim James, no Zoe Deschanel, just go back into 
being relatively on his own and make a nice album again. Post War is amazing. Have you guys heard Post War? Yeah, it's real good. Yeah. I, I liked it earlier more. That's why I'd asked you about it. I was kind of not let down by this record because I didn't expect anything, but I'd still like hoped it would be closer to those records. Yeah. He hasn't really, like, Post War was full of like really nice arrangements and stuff, and he hasn't really got that much of that on this one. He's gone back to pretty basic stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think working with Zoe Deschanel could have affected him to some extent in terms of they didn't really have to do anything musically complex at all with the C&M records and they still got plenty of recognition so I think he just kind of realized he can I don't want to say coast you know what I mean I think he realized he could kind of do things yeah. more simplistically and still get acclaim yeah but the C&M lyrics are written by Zoe I don't know who does the music if she writes the melodies or if they work on it together or what but. I think they do the music itself together but I could be completely wrong yeah uh, but I don't know. That's all I have to say about that water. All right, Matt. Yeah, I've been listening to uh, a couple things uh, this last week. The first one was a band called Weird Dreams, uh, which is uh, a fairly new band from London. I think this is their second album. It's called Choreography. Um, it's an album that's really heavily indebted to the sound of the 60s. Uh, you know, Pitchfork reviewed it and compared it to the Beatles and the Birds, which I don't really hear that. But it's fairly crystalline pop, uh, a lot of kind of winding guitar lines. It might remind you of something like like real estate, um, but less of a, a summery feel. Uh, you know, a lot of people compare them to, you know, the beach you know, or summer music, that type of stuff. Um you know, just a really mellow vibe, but some pretty cool guitar work underneath. Um, kind of reminded me of something like uh, like Teenage Fan Club, maybe also. It's definitely pop music, but it kind of has a, a darker undertone. Uh, I think some people might see that in The Shins, where, you know, he has a lot of good hooks and some, you know, fairly summery sounding songs, but if you really delve into the lyrics, there might be kind of a darker side to it. Um, so that that's what I've been listening to. Has anyone else checked that out? I heard the uh, track they had about the devil or whatever, six six six. Yeah, that's actually not one of the best ones on the album. I would say that one is one that it's fine, but it doesn't really stick with me. Yeah, I mean, I haven't heard it all. I'm just gonna say, I think it's a single, isn't it? That's probably why I heard it. Yeah, I think that is the single, but there are definitely some better tracks. I would say the highlights are. Um, the second song is called Hurt So Bad. Uh, it's the, you know, it, it, it's kind of a light sounding song, but it's, it's about, you know, someone who is masochistic, I think. So it's, uh, that's kind of what I was saying with the, the darker undertones, but with the lighter music. And then uh, there's a song called Little Girl, which is also really cool. So I would say that those are the highlights if you guys check it out. Yeah, I'll have to give it a listen. Yeah, it sounds interesting. I'm going to check it out. And then the other thing, um, which I may get ostracized for saying this, but I've been listening to the new Mars Volta record, which I know some people have really strong feelings on one way or the other. <laughs> um, I, I'll say this. Uh, I, I've liked them in the past. I thought D-Last and the Comatorium was a really good album, and Francis the Mute too. Um, but then I, th- I feel like they kind of went a little bit over the edge since then. And the, the new album kind of brings them back a little bit, but it has some some neat sonic tricks, but there's just not a lot of uh, 
there's just not a lot of energy. I mean, I think that a lot of people that listen to them probably wanted to hear the, the guitar bombast of Omar Rodriguez, you know, from uh, at the drive-in days. And instead here, we got a lot of synthesizers and that type of music that, uh, I, I don't know, it just seems like a left turn, which I guess they're known for. But, but um, over 14 tracks, there's just not a lot of meat. So I don't know if anyone else likes them at all. I like I like D Louse and I like Francis. Amputecture or whatever was okay and after that I didn't like anything. <laughs> yeah. I I definitely feel like they kinda chased the rabbit that kinda reached the, the end of that sonic experiment. Maybe that's why they're back uh playing without the drive in now, I don't know. But he he said there's not gonna be any more any new at the drive in music. He's just gonna do yeah. and get out, but we'll see. I, I guess it's just a cash cow. Yeah. But at least they could they could admit that, like Pavement admitted they were doing it for the money. Yeah. Um, speaking of at the drive-in, did anyone watch the videos of their first show? No. I saw a I saw Arika's reaction. That's about it. What did she, What did she say? She didn't like it. She was saying how it just seemed forced. Yeah, that's what that's what people have been saying. Is she's saying compared to. If you compare the videos to 11 years ago, they seem way less into it and way less energetic and stuff. Uh, I've, I've never really been a fan of either band, but I just thought that was interesting. Eric, uh, what have you been listening to? Oh, thanks for hosting, Will. Um, <laughs> sorry, I've been trying to make you do that because I want you to host. Because I like you to host. Um, Maybe next week. Um, I've been listening to... Um, yeah, I kind of like what what Rob said, a bunch of stuff that's coming out later in the month or in May. But um, I'm, I've been listening to this record from um, Swedish band called Death and Vanilla. I don't know. Is, has anybody ever heard of them before? No. no. Sounds like a pretty awesome name, though. Yeah, I do like Swedish music. <laughs> yeah. Um, it doesn't sound like a lot of stuff from Sweden and other Nordic Sweden's considered Nordic, right? Yes, no? Yeah. Yeah, yeah other Nordic countries. But um, it's kind of like a... Um, it's almost more like that Cat's Eyes record last year with Rob. You know I love Wade more than I should. Um, but um, it, it kind of sounds like that. It's kind of a little like dark, darker kind of pop. Um, it's just their self-titled debut album. Um I don't know. It's um, I get turned on to because I'm writing a review for a different place that I write for, whatever, whatever, whatever. So you know, I never, I had never heard of them, and I and I turned this on, and it, it's a, uh, it's two people, guy and a girl. The the girl sings, um, and it's um, it's kind of like traditional pop, sort of. Um, like in their like, if you like go and read like their bios and stuff, they say that they're, you know, like influenced by all these like classical synths kind of band, well, not like classical synth, but early synthesizer work and early electronic music, but it doesn't really show on the album at all. It's, it's, if you like read that and think like, oh, this is going to be like a weird, you know, sort of... Tangerine dream. You know, sure, yeah, yeah, but it's, it's, it's kind of, I don't know, it's really good. It's like a dark pop album, kind of. Um, and I really like it. Like the, her, her, she has a really great voice. Um, and... Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, kind of hard to, to describe, I guess. But 
it's good because it's like it's sort of really like straightforward like it's, it's very like accessible and it was easy to get into right away which is nice when it's like a new band i've never heard of cause, you know like otherwise you just kind of go off oh, fuck it you know they suck um but um it but it's also i mean it's, it's i don't know there's a lot of depth to it as well like i feel like it's um it's a rewarding album in its simplicity which is which is sometimes hard for for bands to pull off you know cat's eyes is like a chamber pop thing right almost yeah 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 yeah, yeah. it's not totally like that but that was kind of the first thing i i, I don't know i could compare it to um it's like cavernous definitely because of, yeah yeah it's just like i don't know like, it's just, like, the word I kept, like, wanting to come back to is, like, dark. It's kind of, like, dark and, I don't know, there's just a dark certain, ways. like, heavy. It's, it's very dark wave. There's, like, a certain heaviness to it that's hard to, to quantify through through words, you know, without without hearing it. Um, but it's it's a really good album, actually. Um, you can just go, if you just Google Death and Vanilla, I think their band camp is the first thing that comes up. You can go stream it on there. Um, it came out last month, like, at the end of March. But um, but yeah, I've been listening to that. I've been listening to it like six or seven times, and it's actually a pretty. It's actually a pretty good album. I mean, it's not. It's not gonna blow you away, but it's 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 a good album. Um, so yeah, I've listened to that. Um, I listened to that White Fence album a little bit more. Finally, um, I know we talked that, the, that a lot. The Family Perfume or the Ticey Girl. No, yeah, yeah, just just the white fence. What'd you think? Um, it's were you good. were you a fan of uh, its growing faith from last year? Yeah, yeah, it's just it's just kind of shallow. I don't know. It's not as good as that one. It's just yeah, good. yeah, I like I like a lot of stuff like in this like not like grunge rock revival, but you know this all these weird bands out of San Francisco. Um, making this grunge music, for lack of a better term, um, I like a lot of that stuff. But some of it, just like I just like listen to it, it's just it's not fulfilling at all. And that's kind of how I ended up feeling about that White Fence album. But I really like I, the, I've been listening to the Ty and White Seagull album too. The Ty, Ty White Ty Fence. and White Seagull. I like that. <laughs> that's very good, right? Ty Seagull and White Fence. Um, that I really like. But yeah, the Ty the the White Sense album, I just, I don't know. It just, there wasn't wasn't much there for me. I don't know. Uh, our sometimes podcaster and common writer Colin assures us that Family Perfume Volume Two is better. So I'll definitely check that out. When is that out? Uh, I don't even know. I haven't heard that yet, I but I'll still I'll still listen to it because it doesn't take much to get through those albums. But yeah, anyway. Eric, what else? Yeah, what's up? Um, what else? What? You're the host. What are we talking about now? Are we done? Yeah, I don't know. What are you guys talking about? That's all I've been listening to. Does, does anybody else want to give a shout out to anything that they're listening to? Any recommendations? We should wrap it up. Bring it home. All right, it's time to bring it home. Everybody put their hands in the middle, and um, I'm three. We'll all say go team. No, but um, thanks for listening again for another week of the BPM cast. Um, thanks to our special guest Matt once again um, 
And um, yeah, I guess we'll see you all next week. Um, everybody, say goodbye. Bye. 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 Bye.